Back on the road again? Yes. Did you ever think it would happen? No, definitely not. I thought once the band finished about 10, 11 years ago, I thought, oh, that was it. You know, but, you know, it's, we just, everyone kind of just drifted apart, did their own thing. And it wasn't until last year that uh, we got asked to do a benefit gig for uh, Kirsty McCall. It was a, what was a tribute gig. And, um, the three of us were good friends with Kirsty and we all agreed that we should do it. But I was like, well, how can we do it? And I think at the time Mike wasn't available. Um, but my manager Ian had said, well, you know, if you were going to do it, you know, why don't you go out and go out on the road and do it anyway? So we thought we'll get my son Jamie in to play guitar as well. And we went out for a week and we absolutely loved it. And uh, all the people that came to see us loved it as well, so that's why we're kind of here now and we're slowly building this thing up. And it's now led to us getting a few festivals in the summer as well, so... Yeah. How, really have, I mean, I've been uh, close to the front uh, and watching the expressions on your face, you look like you're really enjoying yourself. Oh, well, right? we're really enjoying it. Whereas towards the end of Big Country's sort of career, it was getting to be a bit of a... A trudge, you know. I was like, oh, here we go again and stuff. We just, I think we'd just been on the road for too long. We'd been working for, well, I mean, it was 20 years, you know. So, but now it's become a bit more enjoyable. Uh, we don't have a new album out. We don't have a, a record label as such. We're just kind of, like a lot of bands nowadays, we're just going out and just doing it, you know. And it's just made it good fun. So you've, you've got Jamie as uh, as a second t guitarist, yeah. and he was. He's taken on your parts and you've taken on Stuart's no, parts, is that right? we've mixed it up a little bit. Some parts, some of Stuart's parts I'm playing, Jamie's playing some of Stuart's, Jamie's playing some of mine, you know. Really it's just the technicalities, the, the, the reason we're doing that. You, you have like different guitar sounds, clean sounds, dirty sounds, and instead of chopping and changing what we used to do before with, between Stuart and I, just to make it a bit more easier, you know. It's like, it's easy for me to do some of Stuart's. Um, for, like, for instance, I'll do Stuart's melody line in a big country, whereas in Where the Rose is so, and Jamie will do Stuart's parts on that kind of thing, you know. So it's, it's just a, a matter of making it, you know, easier for the two of us instead of you go with your foot pedals and your tap dancing with your pedals to get the different sounds. It's just easier for us settle on one sound, Jamie does the other sound. So, with both guitarists living in the same house, uh, plenty of rehearsal time? Yeah, quite a lot of time to do it. We, we did the same thing when um, we got asked to put the Skids thing together as well. So Jamie and I had been used to doing that anyway, listening to Skids records. Um, so yeah, I mean the two of us, I'll just come home from whatever I'm doing. The two of us will sit for an hour and I'll say to Jamie, like, we'll work on, for example, Fields of Fire today. But obviously he's got to know what guitar part that I'm wanting to play kind of thing. So we come in, we we both work out the two different parts and we'll go, well, that's going to be a bit of a jump for there to there, so you learn that part, I'll do that part. And we've got it pretty much exactly how it was done on the record, apart from a few overdubs. But yes, there's certain songs on Steel Town, you need about 10 guitars to get it to sound exactly like how it was in the record. You're referring to East of Eden? 
Pardon? You're referring to East of Eden? Yeah, things like East of Eden, there was loads of guitars on that, but I think we've kind of nailed it pretty much. Because you never used to play that one live much. But no, you... because it was... I think Stuart had, he said he had trouble singing that one and playing that one at the same time, kind of thing, you know? Whereas with obviously the mic's not actually playing guitar on that, he's just concentrating on the vocals on that one. Mm. But there's a lot of stuff on Steel Town was kind of not difficult to play, but to recreate the same thing that we did in the studio, you would need another two, you know, musicians involved, I think. But between, we've got Steel Town, we've got um, Queer the Rose in East Eden. And, you know, I think that's quite, because we never touched any of the Steel Town album for a long, long time. Mm. You've actually got, I think you've got nine tracks off The Crossing. Yeah. Four tracks off Steel Town. Yeah. Uh, is that a conscious decision uh, to go back to, to where your biggest success <coughs> yeah, was? Yeah, definitely. I, I kind of thought, well, I looked at the, the ticket sales and I thought, God, there's a lot of people coming to see us, so let's concentrate on the first three albums, as it were, you know. And maybe I, I used one track for Driving to Damascus, the, the title track, just because I like the song. But I kind of thought, you know, let's go back to the the songs that we have never played for years and there was a lot of stuff from the cross and steel town that we just never we never played for years and years obviously because we're doing you do a new album and then you've got to go and promote it and tour it and then you've got to leave something out otherwise you'd be playing every track off every album every night and you know you six hour gig or something like that the fans it? could cope with that i'm sure oh uh, we could <laughs> so you know it's like what to leave out and this time i thought well these are the ones that if you look at fans' favourites, they always come for the, the first three albums, really, so let's concentrate on that. Yeah. But things are changing, you know, things are changing all the time, and you never know. And it's like, for instance, now we, we stick in a song called Never Take Your Place, which is different every night, because it's spontaneous, and Mike started just singing it, just vocals with no music, and then... Then the next night, Jamie added a guitar part, and then the night after that, I put a new guitar part, and it's just complete spontaneous. So you don't know what's going to happen. So every every big country gig you go to now, you get something different. You get something different every night. Yeah. And we made a little an unwritten rule after night one. It's like we have to do something different every night. Yeah. But, but we don't know what it's going to be until you make it up on the spot. So who knows? I may wear different socks tonight, and that'll be something different, won't it? Yeah, it is something different. Um, how do you rate uh, Mike Peters as a frontman, and how did you how did you get inspired to contact him? Because what, when <coughs> pardon me, when Big Country finished, um, I went out in the road. Mike asked me to come out in the road with uh, the band called Dead Men Walking, which had um, Slim Jim from the Street Cats, uh, Kirk Brandon, Glenn Matlock, and I went out and I toured with them. I did it for about three years and I've been down at Mike's garden a few times and did support slots with Alarm, so I've been in touch with Mike over the years, you know. And really, it was just, when we thought about doing it, he was the first person I thought of, you know. But at that time, he was on tour anyway, because Mike's always busy, he's always doing stuff. Hmm. Uh, but now that we know that this is working, and we're all going to set aside time for big country gigs here, there, festivals, so... So no, I think it's a, a good combination, definitely. Yeah. Um, he, he pays uh, quite a lot of respect to Stuart mm. during the gigs. Uh, I notice you and Tony particularly step step right back when that happens. Uh, mm -hmm. Emotional moments for you? Yeah. 
I mean, Mike's very, very sincere. Mike's not the kind of guy that this is just another session or another job for him. He comes in and, I mean, it inspires us as well. And it motivates us because Mike isn't just an, you know, he used to get those heavy rock like um, bands in the 70s and like your Deep Purples and that. They're always changing singers and somebody would leave and they'd get another singer in. It's not that with us. Mike comes in and he brings this whole thing and it's another little thing we've got, it's like, what's he going to do next? Mike, he's always <laughs> comes in with some new idea, always thinking, thinking ahead. Yeah. So it's not just like another gig to Mike, you know, he just brings in a lot, a lot. Yeah. Uh, your feelings on the future of Big Country? Yeah, I think there's a future. I think there's definitely a future, but I just like to take things um, slowly, slowly at this time. I'm, we're not going to go out and record albums or do big, huge tours at the minute. Not coming to Australia next week? Not next week, because we're in <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> Maybe. I'd love to get out to Australia. I mean, we did a couple of videos down there, so I'd love to get out there and do some shows. But no, I mean, I'm quite happy for this to continue just now, and we're, going to, we're in the process of writing some new songs as well. So it'll be nice to get in the studio. Uh, whether it's to do an album or not, I don't know, but... The way things have changed nowadays with the technology, it's always, you know, downloadable, free download songs and stuff like that. So I don't know, but we're definitely going to record new songs. We're going to write new songs anyway. And we'll take it from there.